Welcome. This is Joseph Valley Presents. We have afterlife interviews, and I have Dr. Melvin Morris, Dr. Jeffrey Smith, and my friend Diana White Eagle. Welcome, guys. So I want to first say, first of all, that the reason why I've even started this program years back is because of Dr. Melvin Morris. I did a wedding for him and, um, and got to his place, and I brought the flowers in. And as the secretary raised up the garage door, there was hundreds of books that, um, and I said, what does he do? And she said, he's a published author. And I said, what's he write about? And she said, death and dying. Well, that got me on my quest for information and stuff. And so um, I got a couple of books he gave me, and I sent one off to Oprah Winfrey's uh, designer um, who had lost someone in a tsunami. Uh, was Nate, and he um, obviously gave the book to Oprah because Oprah called Dr. Morris, and he was in the show twice. That's that's absolutely right, and I appreciate uh, that, Joseph. Uh, and then it all started think, from there. And Larry King had you on twice, and I think I know 2020 had you on as well as Discovery Channel. And so I'm here because of you, Dr. Morris, and I can't be happier. And then my friend Jeffrey Smith, who I've been. He's my brother. Um, since I've been doing this, he's been right with us, Dr. Smith, Dr. Morris. So um, we're pretty excited. And, of course, my friend Diana um, White Eagle, she's a medium. So why don't you guys start off? You, tell, you um, uh, Jeffrey and Dr. Morris, I'm sure you have plenty to talk about. Well, uh, I guess I'll uh, start off by saying that Dr. Smith and I, uh, back in 2011, uh, collaborated on a uh, novel form of therapy uh, for post-traumatic stress disorder. And uh, I came uh, to that uh, table with the information about near-death experiences and how contacting uh, this source of unconditional love and wisdom, which, of course, we encounter when we die, but is also present uh, in our hearts and, and can be contacted through meditation uh, you know, or other techniques, um, that that can be a very healing experience. And Dr. Smith uh, brought to the table um, uh, his own transformational uh, experience as a near-death experience uh, as a fighter pilot, and then uh, his subsequent uh, work as a family therapist uh, and working uh, with uh, EMDR, uh, which uh, I think is uh, the basis uh, of uh, his uh, current uh, therapies. And Dr. Smith has uh, gone on uh, to uh, treat patients in a very uh, both rapid uh, and intensely healing way. And, uh, you know, Jeffrey, maybe you'd like to comment on that. Oh, yeah, I just wanted to say for those of us that don't know what MD, was it MDR? EMDR. EMDR, that really is. Maybe you could talk about that as well, Jeff. Sure. Drink a sip of tea and <laughs> went down the wrong way. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so the the genesis of the work was using eye movement desensitization and reprocessing uh, to take a look at how that was mapping up or matching up with <clears throat> Dr. Morris's work with remote viewing and <clears throat> near death experiences, and we were really finding that we were speaking the same language, just with a different dialect. 
since that time, I've had an opportunity to explore uh, past life trauma therapy and have developed a technique if we can treat people, which I do daily, for their present life traumas. And they can go back in time and have an experience where their present conscious mind is being able to do or finish unfinished business that a child, say, didn't have skills and resources to be able to do when they were a child. Uh, they can do that in their present life, and they could see that if this scenario happened to me again today, the outcome would be different because I have 911, because I have a full adult body, because I can say no, because I can push back. So there's many, many resources we have. Even if it's just happened a year ago, the fact that you've been through the experience is a resource that the person didn't have prior to whatever the trauma was. So I got the idea that if we can do this in present-day realm and we help combat vets heal from their traumas and combat exposure and we have first responders and people that have been molested and child abuse and things like that, we're doing this on a daily basis and finding positive results from it where the weight from these psychic traumas is lifted, then I just simply did the same technique and asked people to be open-minded to go back in time and explore perhaps if you have a fear of water and you don't know why, there's nothing that's happened to you in this life that could point to it, chances are there's a psychic residue from a past life that is still uh, connected that needs to be remediated. And so I just applied the same technique in present life to the past life, and we're finding the results from that. But the most amazing trauma therapy that I'm doing is what I'm calling the non-local connection therapy. And that's a term that I just coined today. <laughs> but it's uh, the ability to take a combat vet and put them into a mild trance, allow them to interact with either a fallen comrade that they feel responsible for that died next to them, or somebody that they have actually taken their life, and they get to see this person in their energetic spirit form, absent of the body, absent of this life. And the people that lost their life, if we that's the term we have to use, I mean, they didn't really lose their life, they lost their physical body, but they're not mad, they're not upset, they're actually smiling, they're, they're loving. And people, people just have tears of joy, and they're just overwhelmed by the... Although they're seeking forgiveness, the people say, you know, you shot me, but I really don't have to forgive you. It was all, it was all planned. It was, I, you know, there's no harm, no foul here. And those, those experiences are, are happening regularly, and uh, a person just has to be open to it to step into that, and it shows up. So I hope that wasn't too long, but that's an overview of the work well, that's being done presently. You know, I just want to say, I know Dr. Morris is going to replied to this, but I just want to say that's all I ever wanted in my life doing this radio show now for 15 years on KLAY was because I'm across the street literally from 80,000 military men and women, and all I wanted the families to know was that they're not really gone, that they are right here, they're with us, and and boy, this is just, this is icing on the cake because um, I'm just so blown away by this, Jeff. I can't even tell you what this means to, to the families that to know that they're not really gone and they will be, that they're, they're alive and well in heaven. And anyway, Jeff, um, Dr. Morris, what do you have to say about that? 
Well, it really um, is the same message and the same understandings that we get uh, from studying near-death experiences. And uh, Dr. Smith's um, uh, uh, testimony, you know, his uh, the, his work uh, reminded me of uh, one of the most powerful near-death experiences that I'm aware of, in which a Nazi prison guard uh, later in life, uh, was, you know, seven you know some years uh, after uh, he uh, uh, had worked uh, in uh, one of the uh, concentration camps, and he was just riddled with guilt and horror at what he had done uh, and didn't understand why he had done it. And he came to the point of death, uh, nearly had a heart attack, or I mean, had a heart attack, but uh, nearly died. And during his near-death experience, uh, he was placed in contact uh, you know, after he you know, goes down into the tunnel and enters into that non-judgmental, that unconditionally loving light, uh, that, that light that we will all uh, encounter. And in that light, he met uh, many uh, of uh, his victims uh, in the concentration Whoa. camp. And uh, he, he was shocked uh, when they told him that, uh, that not only did they uh, forgive him, but that there was no need to forgive him. That, uh, you know, as, as a child once told me, the good, the bad, the happy, and the sad, it's all woven together to create this thing that we call life, that, that we're here to learn our lessons of love in. And, uh, you know, it, it sounds like uh, Dr. Smith is, uh, you know, helping people to have just those uh, kinds of experiences. You know, you don't have to have a near-death experience, uh, you know, to uh, have uh, that, the same kinds of insights and the same transformation. Um, I, I want to ask Dr. Uh, Smith a question is, uh, would it be fair to say that uh, you're teaching uh, your clients uh, how to be their own mediums? <laughs> yes, Joseph and I were discussing that just a <laughs> couple of days ago, and uh, I've had the good fortune of, of interacting with some mediums, and I always felt a little jealous of why are they able to tap into the signal line and, you know, the, the special people, if you will. And then all of a sudden, the stuff started showing up in my office where it isn't going through me. I'm just somehow holding a space. I don't know how, how the science behind it or really how to describe it. I just know that there's this energetic feeling that comes in, and if a person is open, then who they need to contact shows up for them. And it's just like right now, and they're describing it in such detail, like that person is really in the room. And and somehow the... I don't, I'm not hearing a voice from this energetic being, but I'm getting the idea that what they're sharing, it's like I'm able to follow along somehow and I know what's being said without actually hearing it. And I don't know how to describe that or how to, it's like a thought. I have a thought that the person is interacting. And of course, the person I'm working with is giving me just a little bit of dialogue to follow along. And I'm kind of there as just a way to, to guide them through that process. Sorry for the long answer to a very short so, question. Well, so, that's yeah. a, a beautiful answer, and I, I just was uh, hoping that the medium uh, that is working with us uh, I was just going to say that. In. You read my mind, Doctor. Yeah. I was going to say, we have a medium on here. Why don't yeah. we ask let her what her thoughts are? Well, let me tell you what I think. Um, what I've been shown is that we're all wired for this. It's just that we don't open ourselves to it, and we are told different things when we're younger 
um, such as our uh, imaginary friends and all this stuff is just nonsense sometimes. And we're actually, it is somebody from the other side coming over and speaking with us or playing with us. Um, as I said, we all are wired for it. Um, I'm just always so surprised when when people find out that they can actually, that they acknowledge that they have met somebody from the other side. What I find happens is that if you're thinking about somebody so much and all of a sudden you can almost feel them in the room, they're usually right there next to you. And yes, you get a knowing about what they're saying. I don't actually hear the words, but all of a sudden I understand. And anybody can do this. Um, And, well, that's my two cents. Isn't that how it is in heaven, Dr. Morris? Didn't we talk about that? Everything is, uh, uh, you you don't, I mean, you talk, certainly, but you, you get to read each other's minds. It's a nonverbal uh, yeah. level of reality. It's yeah. A, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a nonverbal consciousness, and I love... Um, uh, what, uh, you know, I, Diana. I, with Diane, I'm so, I apologize, Diane, but I love what, uh, Diane uh, had to say was, uh, that, um, that this is something that is inside each one of us because that's what I've, uh, discovered with my recent work, uh, with meditation, uh, particularly, uh, with ex-offenders, you know, who, who you would think would be, uh, the, the most resistant to transformation. And yet, each one of us has within us a connection with this divine source of unconditional love and wisdom. But it's also, I mean, when we say wisdom, that means it's information. And so at its heart, this is an informational reality, and so that means that the information uh, about our past traumas, the information uh, that uh, is, uh, you know, our fathers, our mothers, uh, our, our departed loved ones, um, they, they are still alive. They're still uh, aware and present. Um, I'm going to turn this uh, back to the meeting, but I, I, there's so many things I, uh, that I want to say from what uh, Dr. Smith had to say. I, I was, uh, well, I, I want you to, yeah. That's one why one here, comment so. uh, I wanted to make was um, I have been studying uh, the ancient texts of the Kabbalah, which are Jewish rabbis from 2,000 years ago. And these are men who spent their days, you know, days and years uh, in meditation and studying uh, this nonverbal consciousness is what they called it, or, or God. I, th- I think most of us just call it God. And, uh, and they found exactly uh, what Dr. Smith uh, has found, it, it, which is that when you communicate with this, what, what you're calling heaven, uh, 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 Joseph, or, you know, I mean, you know, there's so many different words for it, but they're all, they all mean the same thing. And when you communicate with that, it's a, a law of the universe, it's a law of consciousness that on the other side, the corresponding piece of information or, you know, which, which means, you know, your, your departed loved one or, uh, you know, whatever it is that you need to understand comes to you. It's, it's, it's almost like a mirror effect 
uh, with this ultimate reality. And, I mean, they, you know, the, these are the masters of consciousness. You know, Tibetan uh, Buddhist uh, monks discovered it. Uh, the ancient Jewish rabbis discovered it. And now we're rediscovering this ancient wisdom, and we're able to put it to practical use. Uh, I'm so impressed with the work that you're doing, uh, Dr. Smith. I, I just, uh, um, you know, you're, you're taking something that's uh, in theory, and uh, you're, you're making it real. And I wonder uh, if Diane can comment on, on maybe uh, transformations and healings that she's seen with her work. Uh, yes, actually, I get a lot of people who are about ready to commit suicide, and I'm like the last resort that they come to. Um, I'm usually, of course, I recommend them going to see somebody like you guys. But um, I can give you a couple of instances. I had uh, this lady who came in to see me, and she was a, a lovely older lady, and she wanted to speak with her husband, and he had passed. They had been married happily, which I found amazing, for 53 years. And Wow. <laughs> that's a... You know, that's usually, you know, it's come and go, and maybe, just maybe, you know, it's a lucky one that had... He's probably a saint somewhere. What? I say it's probably a saint somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. But anyway, she was. She missed him so greatly that uh, she had come in to see if it would be okay if she left, and she was going to go meet him. And he's going, no, no, no. He showed up right away, and he's going, no, no, no. It's not your turn. You have to stay here. You still have work to do. Um, I, I can see you, and I can talk to you, but you can't come over here yet. It's not your time. So uh, I was glad to be able to explain all that to her, and there was more things that showed up. He turned out to be the jeweler to the stars, and Liberace showed up, and Sammy Davis Jr. showed up, and all these people are showing up, and I'm looking, and I'm saying, do you know these people? And they're showing me, like, a brooch of a piano and rings and bracelets. And, and I can't miss who these people are because I'm going, really, you know these people? And she goes, oh, oh, yes, he, he, made, those, he made the jewelry for them. And, but he said, no, 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 don't you dare come up here. And so she didn't, which I'm glad. But go ahead and, and you can talk about this because I can just tell you stories of what happens. I bring closure to people and I let them know that it's okay. There's many levels of heaven I've been shown and I have also been shown that you get this wonderful body um, and you do most everything you do down here except there's no pain, sickness, or disease and there's love permeating the air and it's just, it's heaven. But, you know, um, I, I want to talk more about that, too, Diana, because we have lots to talk about in heaven. But I want to say something to Dr. or rather, Dr. Morris. Okay. I had you on my show a couple times, and the last time you had us, on, we had you on a show, I, I would like you to just slightly tell I don't think Dr. Smith heard the story, but you had said that you were doing your traveling around, talking to people, and um, I think it was a Mormon or a lady was very religious, and she asked you if you ever prayed before, and you said no. How do you pray? Oh, remember that I, story? I, Can you tell that story briefly for us? Oh, I sh sure. I um, 
it, it, I think it, uh, it impacts uh, what uh, we're talking about now. Um, but before I tell that story, uh, Joseph, I've got to tell a different story just, just briefly because uh, what Diane said just so uh, impacted. Good. Good. Um, you, what she said was, uh, in her mediumship, uh, she finds uh, that uh, our departed loved ones, people on the other side, are saying things like, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's not your time yet, uh, you have a job to do, etc. Well, that's one of the most common findings with near-death experiences as well, which you know, to me is just another piece of evidence and validation that uh, we're all talking about the same basic common experience. And I remember uh, very uh, vividly a young man uh, who nearly died uh, from a a near-fatal drowning, and uh, he went up into heaven and was told very firmly, go back, Bobby, you have a job to do. And uh, he he didn't want to leave because, you know, this is such an amazing, wonderful experience that he was having. And he said, no, no, I, I won't go. And he had the perception of, of her almost being thrown out of heaven, you know, being thrown back down the tunnel, you know, kicking and struggling. You have a job to do. And then it's interesting. I, I said to him, so what, what was your job? You know, what, what was this job that you had to do? And he says to me, I, I told you what my job was. I, I ran a small construction company. Uh, I've got six, uh, you know, young uh, workers that uh, these numbnuts would never be able to get a job if it weren't for me. You know, so, so that was his job here on Earth was to run a small construction company and, uh, you know, and, and have these loving uh, relationships uh, with his helpers. And, you know, uh, just... while, while you're talking about that, I, I did a film. I told Dr. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Smith about this a while back, oh, maybe 10 years ago, before this was really as popular now as it is. And I wanted to go on Craigslist, and I wanted to talk to people who had near-death experiences. And many, many, many showed up. But I had I found about ten that were you know pretty credible, and I interviewed them, and then we did a film about it called Home and Back. But why I mention this to you is there was a girl who was Asian, and she was a beautiful young girl, and she wanted to commit suicide, and she tried every possible way to commit suicide, and finally, she did it. She actually died, and she took overdose of pills. And she came back, and she was told that her job right now is to go around and tell people this is not what you do to take your life, because if you do, you have to come back and do it over and over again until you learn that lesson. It's what she said. And so um, it was so funny because I had so many different people tell the different stories about what had happened after they had died and come back. But I'll go ahead and tell your story now, if you will, Dr. Morris, about the um, what you did with this gal. You, you, well, you, I think, uh, yeah, I, w- I would like to, because, again, I think it, uh, it, it really reflects on Dr. Smith's work uh, and Diane's work, is that um, uh, after I had studied near-death experiences, uh, our research team then wanted to know how could this really occur, and... Uh, not not our uh, own group, but uh, Mario Beauregard, who's a uh, neuroscientist at the University of Montreal, and a group down in California 
who are also studying this, uh, we, we, you know, collectively came up with the idea of a God spot, that we actually have an area in our brain which allows us to connect to this greater universe. And so I was uh, on a radio show uh, in uh, Utah, you know, in Salt Lake City, and I was explaining this, you know, that we have an area, it's our hippocampus and our right temporal lobe, uh, and it seems to be our link to uh, what people call God, and that, you know, we can access this through meditation, we can uh, access this, uh, you know, it's, it's the vehicle uh, which allows us to have the near-death experience when we die, uh, etc. And the woman looks at me and she goes, but but you've never tried to use this area of the brain yourself. <laughs> and, and I was like, well, you know, I, I, you know, praying is something I did when I was a kid. But, um, uh, you know, I, yeah, I was, you know, trained at Johns Hopkins. I, you know, had the sort of the, uh, you know, the, the scientist's uh, view of all this. It, it didn't penetrate into my heart uh, as yet. And so I told her uh, no, and uh, she said, well, you should try it sometime. Uh, you might be surprised. And, and I actually asked her, I said, well, how do you pray? And she said, well, I pray the same way I was taught as a child. I kneel uh, at my bed before bedtime, uh, and I ask forgiveness, and I ask to, uh, you know, to talk directly with God, and I uh, think about um, you know, the people that I love and the loving connections that I have. Uh, and then, you know, I... Uh, you know, thinking about the different people that, uh, you know, the blessings uh, that they, that she would like to have, you know, uh, some person uh, suffering from cancer, somebody having a troubled marriage or whatever, and asking God to intervene. Um, so I, I did it that night uh, in my hotel room. I just felt really silly doing it, but I thought, what the heck, you know, I'll uh, just try this. And uh, I asked... Uh, um, I asked during this uh, prayer experiment, if you will, I said I wanted to know what the near-death experience was like. I, w I wanted to have the same experience that these children had. And then, you know, just being the way I was, I, I don't recommend that anybody hearing this, uh, uh, you know, say this, uh, do this, but, uh, you know, just being the sort of the, the, the rational person at the time, I, I just, I put a limit on it, I, you know, because I, I didn't want it to, you know, I didn't want, like, three days later to, you know... I've really said this has to happen within 24 hours, and it has to be something that I know is real, and I'm going to give it 24 hours. And, you know, Joseph, I totally forgot about it, um, you know, because it was just something that was real awkward. It took me like 10 minutes, and so I flew down to L.A. and, you know, had the whole day of uh, radio interviews, et cetera. And uh, that night, I was in my uh, hotel room again, just you know, just wondering what I was going to do, and you know, looking at the, you know, the, the the little mini bar that they have there, and and then boom, it just happened to me. I just suddenly, I, I was no longer in that room, and I was just, I was in, I was, I was in the light, and it was all around me, and it was in me, and I was in it. I was part of it. I, I, I felt that I finally understood all the questions that I had, but I didn't seem to have any questions. You know, it was just a knowing. It was just an understanding. And it was sort of an aha. Ah, so life does make perfect sense. All the things that we struggle with are here for a reason. 
and then Joseph is like, I thought to, I thought to myself, huh, I wonder how long this is going to last for. It seems like it's been going on a long, awfully long time. And then, boom, that was it. You know, that, 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 that ended it. And I was right back there in the hotel room, and I looked at the clock, and uh, it was uh, 24 hours to the minute uh, after I had uh, had that uh, prayer experiment uh, in Salt Lake City. But, uh, you know, I want to ask uh, uh, Dr. Smith a question. So how do we know that these things are real? I mean, that, that's a, a question that a child, uh, uh, you know, once asked me about his near-death experience. And, you know, what, what's been your experience? You know, how, you know, is this just something that you're capturing the imagination of your clients, or are they actually communicating with their fallen comrades? I think Diane would like to know the answer to that. You know, how do we know? Or, oh, I know the answer. Know? I can, I'm going to give my two cents as soon as he answers. <laughs> yeah. How do we know, Dr. Uh, Smith, if this it, is real? The, the answer is yes to both. So the, the last time I did some research on consciousness, the, the breakdown of the mind was 18% was conscious, and about the other 82% was some division of subconscious and unconscious processing. And the difference mainly is that the conscious mind has some better idea of what's real and not real, but really everything to the subconscious or unconscious mind is real. So whatever's happening is real. The experience is real. We go to a movie and we cry. We're having the experience as if it's real. The conscious mind knows that we're sitting in a movie theater in the third row in the left seat, and it's just actors on the film, but the unconscious, subconscious mind, that 82%, is having a real experience, and that's why we're having an emotional experience. So in that regard, the movie's not real, even though they were real actors and it was really filmed. So the same thing is showing up when we are in the office doing the same thing. However, in my personal opinion, I can't prove it scientifically, in my personal opinion, there's a temperature change in the room. I get goosebumps. I, there's phenomena that's taking place in the office that I can't, physic, I can't scientifically describe, but there's a change. There's a presence. There's something that's showing up that I know is something cool is about to happen. Well, so I, I, wanna, I, I guess I want to uh, probe you just a little bit more or, or poke at you a little bit more, Dr. Smith, because sure. uh, I remember that uh, you uh, did uh, EMDR on me, and uh, EMDR, for those who are uh, listening and not familiar with it, it's sort of like baby steps towards uh, the research and uh, therapy that uh, he's doing now. But EMDR essentially puts you into a safe place, and then in that safe place uh, you can encounter uh, uh, the forces uh, that uh, caused your trauma. And I remember that when you did this with me, uh, you encouraged me uh, to... Um, think about my father, and uh, you uh, encourage me to uh, learn things which might validate the experience for me. And uh, sure enough, um, I learned a lot of information about my grandfather that I had never known, that I, and I had no way of knowing. And uh, that, you know, but it, it seemed like that you had, had uh, you know, you had wanted me to, uh, you know, to go in that direction just so, uh, you know, at least my rational mind uh, could be uh, challenged a bit. Because uh, sure enough, uh, I went to my mother 
and uh, talked to her about some of the things that I had learned in the session with you, and uh, they were absolutely right on, and yet it was information that, that she had actually even forgotten, and, and uh, certainly I had never known and had no way of knowing. And I, I wonder how often you see that kind of thing, or you know, is, is that a part of your work? Well, people, people always ask right after the session. They open their eyes, and I always hear the wow word, wow. How did you do that? Wow. What was that? Uh, and I shrug my shoulders, and I honestly say, I don't know. I really don't. But it, it seemed loving. It seemed like there was a, if you had to, you know, have a fear-based energy or a loving-based energy, it seemed like we were operating in a loving-based energy. And people describe that there's a weight that's come off them. Well, when I see them on the next session, they say, you know, I've, I've practice this in between because I teach a tapping technique for people to do this in between our sessions, and they are able to make the connection again. Do you hear this, guys? I mean, this is phenomenal to hear this, that these people can go to a session like this and then go home with the right understanding and do this themselves. It blows me away. Yeah. And so... Of course, it's like playing the piano. You know, in the beginning, it's just banging keys, and because I get to do it every day, four or five days a week, my expectation for what happens in the office is a lot higher than their expectation of what's going to happen on their own. But they're still making contact, and they're still getting hits. And the people that practice this on a regular basis, at some point, <laughs> like it's like uh, mom or dad's with me all the time now, or my dog, or whoever they want to connect with is around them. Uh, consistently, and that's, and honestly, I love working with dead people. If I had a whole office full of dead people, I would much prefer to work with them than live people because they're cool. They're happy. <laughs> I have to put a correction in here. I've been corrected. If somebody tells me they're dead people, I've been told, no, we're not dead. We just have left our earthly body, and we yes. have this new yeah. body. We're very much alive. We've never died. You know, yes. I had Diana. <laughs> Um, a couple people who I just gave the phone and said, here, this is my friend Diana, talk to him. They had no idea who she was or what the deal was. And what's so funny is because they're so excited to talk to us. They're so excited to, if someone stands up to, and they want to push them out of the way so they can get a hold of, of this person to say, I'm here. I'm your Uncle Harold. I haven't, you know, your mother's here. She's fine. I, I had Diana one time call me, and she was on the phone with this gal for an hour. I said, what the hell were you talking about? And she said, they kept on showing up. Remember that, Diana? Oh, yes. They kept they kept popping in, and two women that had pushed them out of the way to this man the same, at different times. One kept pushing the other one out of the way. And, no, it's my turn to talk to her. I want to talk. I love it. It was it's really funny. Well, you were going to add your two cents as to whether uh, these experiences are, you know, so-called real. Um, well, what, uh, and, uh, you know, I agree with Dr. Smith that there's a level that, that we don't care anymore, but, you know. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, when I was first uh, getting into contact with the other side, which was as ex exciting and surprising as anyone, um, in, when I was doing a consultation, um, I thought, well, maybe I'm just pulling this information off the people because a woman came to me and she had lost her son. He was 12 and he had been oh, three months before. And I 
remember thinking, oh, my goodness, she's so composed. I would be just a wreck. And she connected with him. He was very polite, and they said their goodbyes, and I didn't think anything of it anymore. And that night when I was sleeping, all of a sudden I felt someone in the room. As you had said, uh, there's an air change, of air pressure change. And I felt someone in the room. I opened my eyes, and there was this young man, this 12-year-old, standing at the foot of my bed. And it scared me because nobody usually does that. And I remember hearing whenever somebody's in your room from the other side, ask them what they want. So I said, what do you want? And he said, I just wanted to say thank you. And then he disappeared. And I felt really bad that I had gotten so scared about it. But that's when I realized his mother wasn't there. I wasn't pulling the information off the mother. It was actually an an entity standing there telling me how grateful he was that I had contacted his mother for him and or how he his mother had contacted him and that's when I realized oh my gosh this this is this can really happen people are still with us if if we want to talk to them and uh, a lot of times when you think about somebody really really and you get a picture in your mind they're usually right there next to you, and you'll get information, and you might as well just, instead of thinking about them, say, you know, hi, how are you? What are you doing? And they'll talk back, and it won't, as I say, it won't be so much words as all of a sudden you get an, a knowing of how they are, and right. it's exciting. It's very exciting. I want you guys all to meet Sharon Milliman, my friend, and author of uh, A Song in Heaven, or A Song from Heaven. A song in a wind. <laughs> Sorry, Sharon. Um, <laughs> okay. And um, she had a near-death experience. She was struck by lightning, and uh, and she went to heaven. And I just wanted to welcome her, and and we're going to talk to her later on in the program. But I wanted her to say hello to everybody. Hi. Hello. Mm-hmm. Hi. So, Dr. Morrison, you were talking to Jeff about. Um, how how they think it's how they feel like it's really real. So continue with that because I'm excited about hearing that too. So the way well, that Doctor taught me taught me how to do controlled remote viewing is you know there's a there's a picture in a sealed envelope and the the process of going through the the technique is that the person doing the viewing actually draws a picture and then the picture is later revealed and it's like wow how how did I draw that without seeing the picture but yet Here's a drawing that emulates and resembles this picture that was in a sealed envelope that I did not see until after the drawing. So that, to me, is proof and evidence that something is happening. I just can't describe what is happening. But in the same way you said that you got information that you could not have otherwise known, that has to be evidence-based work. You could, could in theory, prove that. I I, I completely agree with you. Um, I I was challenged by by a young man. He was uh, uh, maybe seven or eight, uh, and he had a very profound near-death experience. Um, I I loved his experience. He said that he went down a huge noodle, and then he corrected himself, and he said, well, it couldn't have been a noodle because noodles don't have rainbows in them. (laughs) And, you know, of course, he was describing what what other people call the tunnel. and then when, when he finished describing his experience, uh, he said to me, but was it real, Dr. Morse? Was it real? Because if it was real, 
then you have to tell all the old people, you know, that uh, you know that when we when we die, we actually return uh, to this ocean of unconditional love uh, that that we're all constantly surrounded with. That, that Diana has uh, taught, you know, described so beautifully that's uh, ever present with us. Um, so I, I actually I learned uh, to do uh, controlled remote viewing. Um, I had the uh, military uh, controlled remote viewers. Uh, who really uh, know how to do this uh, as part of America's uh, psychic spy program. Uh, you know, the, the guys that uh, helped to find Saddam Hussein, uh, they, they found uh, uh, downed aircraft. Uh, they've war- uh, won just about every uh, civilian um, award uh, that our nation can give uh, for service uh, because of their remote viewing. Um, and they taught me how to do this, and I realized, you know, as we go into this, you know, for lack of a better word, this other side, this other side that contains all information and all knowledge, um, that we can come back with a little piece of knowledge, uh, you know, uh, or, uh, or as I've uh, talked to, or I've taught it to uh, other people, and I've described it to them as uh, you're going into the mind of God, and since God knows everything, uh, we can come back with a little piece of information, and that little piece of information in controlled remote viewing is what is the picture, uh, you know, to describe a picture that's in a sealed envelope that you have no other way of knowing what it is. And sure enough, um, uh, really, uh, anyone can do it. Uh, Dr. Smith is very skilled at it. Um, but uh, really anyone can do it. And, and for me, uh, that's a validation uh, that uh, we do, in fact, contact uh, our, our dead relatives, uh, what people loosely call God. Uh, you know, I think that that's one a huge piece of scientific evidence. Um, and just, you know, for, for those who are listening that are wondering, you know, is this science? Um, controlled remote viewing has been published uh, for over 50 years in scientific journals, including Nature uh, and such as that. So I think that we're on sci- sound scientific ground. Uh, and now we're talking about the clinical uses of it, you know, how mediums can use this uh, to help their clients, how someone uh, as gifted as Dr. Smith uh, can use this uh, to treat uh, people with post-traumatic stress syndrome. You know, we're, we're past worrying about is this real and we're now to the stage of you know you know we're out of the wow stage we're now into the how can we use this information stage yeah yeah and uh, you know maybe our uh, there are the psychic that just a medium that just joined us could uh, comment on that uh, in lieu of that there's a comment I gotta make I'm just dying to get this piece out a really cool Really quick anecdotal example of how I'm using it in, in therapy. A uh, 55-year-old woman coming in with grief and major depression at clinical levels, agonizing over her absence at the time of her mother's passing. So she went home to change her clothes, take a shower. Her mother was dying in the hospital. She missed it. And as for years later, guilt-ridden and just stricken with grief, over I wasn't there for my mother, and my mother died alone. That was her belief system. And without being rude or insensitive, I started laughing, and she's like, what are you laughing about? And I said, your mother wasn't alone. Nobody's alone when they die. And, and I'm saying it with such confidence and such certainty that it piques her curiosity. And so then I put the pulsers in her hand. I go through the protocol, 
And sure enough, she sees her grandfather show up with her mother. She sees a pet show up with her mother. And all of a sudden, she starts smiling. Here's this guilt-ridden things, And she now then gets to discard her previous beliefs. And then the most profound thing comes out of her mouth. She says, I was hanging on to my guilt as the only way to preserve my connection with my mother. See, that's so, so true. Oh, that is so true. And sometimes it's even worse than that. I'm sure you can give us examples, Dr. Smith, of how we often hang on to the unresolved arguments, uh, the, the, you know, the bitter uh, fights that we've had, uh, you know, the, 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 the toxic relationships that we've uh, developed with people. But we hang on to them because it's our only emotional connection. Right. And, you know, maybe you've, you've, you've seen that happen and uh, treated that with the, your, your therapy. I don't know. Absolutely. But now we have something to replace it with. Now we have, hey, you can do this tapping technique. You can ring mom up. Just as easy as pushing that button on your cell phone and calling Dr. Morris and he says hello, you can ring mom up with the tapping exercise, and she shows up. I've never had a departed loved one or one who's transitioned not show up. Only never has that happened. Now, are these tapping exercises uh, what they call emotional freedom techniques? Very, very similar to that. It's just it's just EMDR with them using the fingers on the legs or the shoulders rather than having the pulsers in their hand. So you and I know that you're an EMDR trainer. So this is sort of EMDR on steroids. Is that the you know that are uh, have you taken it to an entirely new level? I. I really legally can't call it EMDR anymore because it doesn't follow their particular protocol. But, of course, everybody's familiar with bilateral stimulation and the, the technique. But because I am, you know, certified and a trainer of the trainers, we all put our individual spin on it and our own creative <coughs> way of doing this. So I'm Can you it. just imagine, guys, if everyone had to, if Jeff, you could pass this along to everybody, what, what we could do with this? Well, it would be nice to get some other therapists trained in it, for starters. You know, I mean, that would be, I mean... Well, I would like to see a meeting of the minds between uh, therapists such as yourself, uh, Jeff, and uh, mediums who are doing this kind of work in the trenches. I, I, uh, wouldn't you agree, Diana? I mean, that, that, you know, and maybe not trained specifically as therapists, but certainly have been doing this kind of work, which, which often no one else is doing. I That's mean, why they're both on right now for that very reason. I, this is what we need to do. I know that. Absolutely. I'd be willing to do it. <laughs> I would love it. Yeah, I, th I think that we need to uh, create that dialogue. Um, I'd like to point out for, you know, I'm sure there are people who are listening and they're going near-death experience, mediums, um, you know, contacting dead people during therapy. I mean, what the heck is this? And I would like to uh, remind or inform uh, everyone that EMDR uh, is uh, one of the few evidence-based therapies which uh, has been certified by the VA, the Veterans Administration, um, for uh, use in veterans. Uh, and uh, men such as Al Botkin uh, have uh, taken it uh, to a new level. Uh, and you know, and done something different with it. But the, the, just like we were talking before, that the science supports 
you know, the, I, I think all of the science of the 21st century supports the idea uh, that uh, we can have a true mediumistic experiences, that near-death experiences are, in fact, the real experience that happens when we die. And EMDR is uh, very uh, evidence-supported uh, as uh, actually working. So the transformation is real, and I think that's one of the pe uh, biggest pieces of evidence uh, that uh, these therapies are, are in fact based uh, on science. You know, I just want to say, if anybody would like to call in and talk with either Dr. Morris or Dr. Jeffrey Smith or Diana or um, Sharon Milliman, please call. Um, it's 888-627-6089. That's 888-627-6008. And they'd love to answer questions for you if you have any questions. Um, you know, I'm so excited about having this show. I've wanted to do this for a very long time with you two and you and Sharon. And, you know, I had said to Jeff, how do you, how do you feel about breeds of mediums in this program? And, of course, he said, yeah, he wanted to do that. Because, I mean... It's just it just made sense to have this all work out together because um, I, I had not been for Dr. Morris, um, I would be in some corner someplace not knowing what my name because I had a loss. Um, my ex-wife died, who I was very close to, and my mother. And, um, and I know that she's just fine. She's back to being 35 again. So um, I want people to know that there is there is life after death, and there is heaven, and they're having a ball. I'm told that they have dinners and and they have gatherings and and uh, birthdays and inter I mean, with all those stars up there, of course they're going to have concerts. <laughs> well, thank you for those words. I wanted to ask the mediums again, though. You know, uh, whether they see themselves as informal grief counselors. And I'd like to point out that, uh, unfortunately, uh, in the United States, the grief counseling literature uh, doesn't deal with spirituality. If, if most of the death and dying literature doesn't deal with spirituality. And so often mediums, uh, I mean, I wonder if you, if, if you to agree with this, that often mediums are uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, the place that, that people that are struggling with grief have to go to. Well, sometimes, this yeah. is Diana, um, the... People that come to me, particularly to speak with their loved one, usually would like some closure to find out where they are and that they transition properly and that somebody met them. And, I mean, it's all, as we know, there's like a whole welcome home party up there. They're so glad that, you know, they finally made it back. We're down here. They're all crying. But, um, yeah, maybe Sharon has something to say. Usually when um, people come to me, it's usually the person that's passed on, and they usually just pop up, and um, it's they've already, um, they're looking for the person that's alive. Um, yeah, you do it the opposite way. Yeah, they, I, I don't... I'm not usually the one that goes to the to the to the person that's passed on. It's usually the other way around. They just pop up to me and and come to me and um, 
So they see you as an open conduit that, uh, that you're you're sort of a, a safe place that they are you know that they like a portal if you will uh, that uh, they can come to. Yes, that seems to be the way it works. I don't know if I have some kind of flashing sign above my head that says if you're dead, come to me or what. I don't know. <laughs> it seems to be the way it was ever since my NDE, but. It, and, it, and it's fine with me. I was just told great. we only have about two and a half minutes left, guys. Uh, and I can't believe this has gone so fast. Wow. Well, maybe each one of us could quickly summarize uh, in, the, yeah, in these last few seconds. Uh, if, you know, uh, Dr. Smith, what, 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 you know, what have you learned and what do you have to share with us? Well, it's just so exciting to be in a time in history where we're more open to this in the Western Hemisphere now. Most of this is all ancient wisdom that we're really just learning now. It's neat for me to see in my industry that other therapists are open to this, and it doesn't have to be uh, clinicians. We can actually be healers, and that's pretty exciting. And I'd like to say I, I think it's remarkable that uh, you know I'm a... Uh, you know, a Hopkins-trained uh, physician that uh, uh, did my research at Seattle Children's Hospital and the University of Washington. And what I learned from children is exactly the same as uh, these mediums have discussed today and uh, complements and dovetails perfectly with the work that Dr. Smith has done. And yet we all come from such different backgrounds. Sharon? We're going to wrap this up, so what do you have to say? Yeah, we're so happy you joined us, Sharon. I just want to add one thing. When we were, or when you were discussing prayer, um, and you were going through the different bits that you do, um, just everyone, don't forget to say how grateful you are. And then what, if you have time, what you're grateful for. Because it's it's very important to be grateful. Oh, I do know that, yes. I want to say that we're going to do this every other Sunday, guys. We're going to continue this conversation because we have so much to cover. And if you'll join me, I would love to have you back. Um, I, I just can't say enough about this. I have such hope for for families who have lost their loved ones and also for post-traumatic stress. Because, as you know, 25 to 30 people take their lives a day for suicide with post-traumatic stress. Well, I'd like to say I'm extremely grateful to you, uh, Joseph, that you've brought us all together. And I'm grateful to uh, the creative force in the universe uh, that's put me in a position where I I might be able to help somebody else with what I've learned. And uh, you know, and, and be able to to pass uh, along uh, some uh, some uh, of what I've learned. I'm very grateful for that. And we're so, all exactly um, where I, we're supposed to be. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. And Diana, give people your email address if you want to have a reading. Oh, okay. It's uh, DianaWhiteEagle.com, and it's White W-H-I-T-E, and then Eagle E-A-G-L-E. So make sure you put the two E's in, and it's dianawhiteeagle.com. That's my website, and you'll find my email address there, or you can just talk on my website. And, Sharon, we're going to give you the same information with Diana so people get a hold of you as well. 
Oh, okay. Because I, I know you're, you're, Sharon has got this book, and, and I just want to briefly, briefly say that I'm going to do a live show with the story of the, the picture or the book that Sharon has written, and we're going to tell, it's a song in the wind, and we're going to do a live show with the choir and the whole thing. So we'll talk more about that later. Well, everybody, thank you so very much for being a part of this. Um, I can't, I can't thank you enough for, we had, it was hard getting started because of this, that's a change compared to our last show, but we got it all together now, so next week or next time we do it, every other Sunday, so it'll be the Sunday after this, we'll be on the air again. I hope you guys will join me.